Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Fantasy football, all the information is rolling in games, changing locations, players on the field. As always, Hayden Winks is here to join me and a special guest, a man who has no idea what's on primetime television because during those hours, he is streaming on YouTube every single night over on the Fantasy Flock channels. It's Mason Dodd. Mason, welcome to the channel. Thank you for having me. I mean, I figured y'all get Josh McCann on here about time. <laughs> you get someone with some credibility. I, so I, I figured we would make a stop by. Now, my only goal is to find every single person, real life, online, whatever, with a much better head of hair than I do, and then just bring them on. So I just look like, you know, <laughs> I'm even older Josh. than I am in my early to mid 30s. That's it. Right. I promise you, my friend, this is going to be here for another 12 months. It is thinning quickly. It is no, you're not even close. Fast. No, you're, I'm not trust joking. Me, you're not even close. Uh, all right. As you know, this is when we go through some of our favorite plays. They don't have to be massive names. They can be some of our, our favorites in the wide receiver threes or the flex spots, just to give you a sense of the matchups that we have a keen eye on. Uh, and Mason, since you are the guest, let's kick it off. A little fire to the table. Cortland Sutton facing the Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know how many people watching this will watch our YouTube channel, but I built an entire brand this offseason saying Cortland Sutton, the most overrated player fantasy football, not even remotely close. Going back and looking at the historical splits that you've had with and without Jerry Judy on the field, night and day difference when it comes to the usage that you're getting from Cortland Sutton. Or if you're going back to 2020, 2021, even throughout this season, Cortland Sutton literally averaging 4.7 targets per game in games that Jerry Judy plays. That gets bumped up to nine targets per game. Of course, we're operating with the smaller sample i'm looking at a sample size of seven games in those two years without jerry judy but if you go back and look at what you had i mean earlier this season as well week two when you had jerry judy leaving the houston texans game at the very beginning that stat line you have 11 targets for Cortland sutton seven receptions 122 receiving yards the following week when jerry judy's i mean questionable for game time probably shouldn't play but goes out there anyway because they have no patrick have no hamler sutton dominates again with another 10 target performance Jerry Judy goes down the first play this past week, has 11 targets. I mean, Cortland Sutton just dominates the target share when Jerry Judy does miss. And if we're going to be looking at the matchup, I mean, what else could you ask for? You're going yeah. up against a team that's literally quit. If we're looking at the spread on this game, the Denver Broncos are favored. Yep. How many times this year are we going to see the Denver Broncos favored going forward? Like right now, they have an applied team total of about 22 points. So the offense should be respectable for the first time in a long time. Cortland Sutton's going to have a target share that's through the roof compared to what he usually sees because Jerry Judy's going to miss, or at least I'm operating under the assumption that we have no Jerry Judy, and I think it's a safe assumption to make. So Cortland Sutton went from, my opinion, someone that you can't even consider to now all of a sudden a smash. I ranked him as almost a wide receiver one this week. Wow. 
I have him up to wide receiver 20 for a lot of the same reasons. Raiders dead last in passing EPA. It's just been a really bad situation. And like Mason said, it's the team total that's caught my attention. We had some Broncos games under 18 implied points. Now we're up to 22 points and you're removing some of the secondary pieces. KJ Hamler's also going to miss. So it's, it's great Dulcich. It's Cortland Sutton and this kind of like trio of running backs that we really can't get too carried away here. So I even have like a decent ranking for um, Russell Wilson. We have some good quarterbacks on by some really weird injury and uh, news as well. So I think even Russell Wilson in a two quarterback league for the first time in a long time, we're able to get them in there too. I'll throw some fuel to that fire. Uh, the Raiders defense has either given up 17 fancy points or a quarterback one scoring uh, performance to every single quarterback they face this year. It goes worse than that. I mean, they're 27th in pressure rate this season. We know Max Crosby is playing really well, but obviously Chandler Jones has yet to show up this season. From an eye test perspective, Mason, every single week when you're watching the Broncos, I mean, this past weekend, it was abysmal. And every third and five, third and seven, third and long situation that they were in, it's like Russ just wanted to heave it and ask one of his wide receivers to make a play. I think some of these downfield targets and yards that we're getting are a bit of prayer yards from Cortland Sutton, but a huge part of that last week was, I think it was the Titans that they played. It was the pressure that he was facing over and over and over again. If he's not facing that pressure, hopefully some, again, those downfield outside the number sideline targets turn into actual fantasy points. Cause I don't think Cortland Sutton has been bad this year. I think it's the offense, the misidentity, the not knowing what it is. And at the root of that, it's all Russell Wilson's play from this year too. Did you just admit that you will still watch Denver Broncos games? <laughs> yeah, that's your problem, not, not, yeah. not ours. All right, oh, guys, I got a, a name one. for you. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Nick Chubb, kind of slash Amari Cooper, just kind of the Browns superstars here. Uh, I, I thought that their team total was going to be a little bit uh, lower than what it was, but it's fully rebounded now that they're back in, De- uh, in Detroit in a uh, dome environment. We have to kind of talk about Amari Cooper. Is this home? Is this away? Shout out to Daigle for that tweet. Um, but for Nick Chubb in particular, that the bills right now aren't the same exact defense, lots of injuries, Tremaine Edmonds out, Gregory Rousseau out, Tredavious white still out. Uh, both of their safeties are banged up as well. And teams facing the bills have the fourth, uh, their fourth and neutral pass rate. So that's how you get there with Amari Cooper. But I think just some of the front seven injuries is how Nick Chubb can get home. And I want to also mention Guess what the Bills are going to be going through? They didn't practice today. They've been in weather hell in Buffalo. There's a chance that they're going to be uh, traveling same day, late on late night on Saturday. Something weird could happen with their travel plans, and they just came off of a game uh, in overtime. So I, I think that the, the Browns are a little bit more well-rested here. I think that matters uh, just a tad for Nick Chubb and Amari Cooper. There's a reason that we talk about offenses being stickier than defenses because when we opened the season, we were talking about the Bills. We're talking about the Broncos, but injuries and other schematic changes can alter the success of a defense from start to finish. And look, we we love the Bills defense, but as you said, some injuries, some miscontests have turned them into allowing, I think it's what, 420, excuse me, 471 yards on the ground to running backs over their past three games. And like when you think of a Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds linebacker group you shouldn't expect that but it's because both haven't been out there at the exact same time so nick chubb is the constant of the browns and even last week when it wasn't going swimmingly he still managed you know a 33 yard touchdown run he always has that big play in his back pocket to save the day kind of like old school saquon always had to yeah my last little note there was the cream hunt even in, in negative game scripts has just not been getting 
as much usage as he was previously. And Nick Chubb right now uh, on pace for a couple more receptions than he usually has. So that's that's been the difference between Nick Chubb being like a top five fantasy running back and like kind of like that top 10-ish running back that we've had the last couple seasons. If you're not watching the Broncos offense, Mason, are you watching the Browns offense? I will tune in in a few weeks when we get Watson in here. I, I mean, we can look We can look at the highlight runs with Nick Chubb. But yeah, going back, if you are talking talking about Amari Cooper, I know nine times out of 10, if you're looking at like home away splits, that's just mainly noise. Like yep. it's a small sample occurrence. Like you don't need to be looking at it too much. I will say if you pull up Amari, it's, it's weird. such an extreme that is a little scary. Like yeah. we can at least be willing to acknowledge the fact that, I mean, Amari Cooper has like, what, five touchdowns at home this year? He's, he's averaging uh, closer to like 80 receiving guards at home. This is just off the top of my head. I look at this every day. And then with Amari, he hasn't been startable on the road. So I, I will at least bring that up. Is this, I know usually is this home, that's noise, but... But Mason, is this a home game or is this a road game? What are we calling this? Is this a, a road, road game? game. This is So this is still a road game even at a neutral field? Yes. I would say it's a road game for both teams. At least I that's agree. what I would say. Okay, I'm so, no football so it's, the player, travel. it's not the noise. It's the travel then. This is what we're, we have to try to figure what? out with Amari. It's, it's Maybe this is, a, this is a data point that we get. It's a scientific point. Is it the <laughs> opposing crowd's noise that plays a factor? Or is it the bed situation, right? I think it's, it might be. The or is it the bathroom situation? He doesn't get to stay at home and use his own bathroom. You know, we'll, it's we'll all learn. these things. We'll learn. We'll learn from that. I have a bunch, actually, two names on the the Bills end of this. First, we'll start with Gabriel Davis. Uh, we get Gabriel Davis in the dome. Ladies and gentlemen, I was thinking back. We don't really get this Bills offense in a dome that often. We did in week one against the Los Angeles Rams, 31 to 10. Remember the fireworks they came out with? Just tossing it left and right and center to Stefan Diggs, Isaiah McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, so on and so forth. Uh, we also get that 47-yard touchdown, that leak pattern from Gabriel Davis. Uh, he's not a complete player. We've seen that so far this season. It's why his consistency doesn't appear. But in a straight line, he runs fast, and we can create big plays. I mean, Cleveland, when considering this game, over the last nine contests, they are 7-1-1, one, and one, leaning towards the over, okay? So even on this neutral field, neither home team, on turf, I think that we can get fireworks out of the Bills offense. A lot to prove here. And the Dolphins slice through them both on the ground. We'll get to that in a moment and in the air. And so I bet we get back to the drawing board a little bit with Ken Dorsey playing in the structure of the offense with Josh Allen like we did back in week one. I think Gabriel Davis, obviously, along with Stefan Diggs, will be big beneficiaries of that here in week 11. I saw that Browns cornerback to Greg Newsom uh, had a concussion on Friday's practice. So I think he would have been seeing some uh, Gabe Davis as well. What are Who's your overall in? thoughts, Mason, on Gabriel Davis as a player? Because like this is another one of those debates that has been raging on the entire summer, early the season. And on some level, you just look at the production. Both sides have been right. Well, I would say like if you're going back to the summer, if we're looking at late third, early fourth round, Gabe Davis, when he's going next to Jalen Waddle, like I think at that point it was all projection and it was yeah. very difficult to get there. I'll say in a casual redraft league that maybe people are watching this on right now, if you only start two wide receivers and a flex and you're in a full PBR format, I would move Gabriel Davis and Devonta Smith as two very similar prototypes where they're two wide receivers playing alongside alphas that are going to be able to generate a very high target share. You're going to be extremely volatile on a week-to-week -week basis just because there are going to be points in the offense. So I would say with Gabe Davis, it's almost dependent on the league format that you're playing in, at least in my opinion. Obviously on underdog, he has the ceiling to break the slate any given week. You're very excited about that. But if you're playing in like a casual, shallow redraft format, that's a full PPR league. I would say if the target volume is not consistently there, it is very difficult to rely on Gabe Davis. Whereas 
If you're playing in maybe a dynasty format with multiple flex spots, that volatility is going to be neutralized just a bit over a larger sample. Or if you're playing in a non-PPR format, given the upside that you have with touchdowns or given the upside that you would just have with a big play. So with Gabe Davis, I think it's a very nuanced position where you just have to understand the prototype he is and understand where you maybe want him and where you don't. Yeah, and I I think this is one of those matchups that I do. And against that Browns team last week, for the Dolphins offense, there were a couple of big touchdown throws that were there. If a certain quarterback in Miami had a touch stronger of an arm down the field. Uh, and I think Josh Allen hopefully can hit those. And yeah, to your point, Mason, not to rewind completely here, but in those shallower leagues that aren't on underdog, but are on like sleeper or Yahoo or ESPN, he's going much later than he was an yeah. underdog too. So mm-hmm. that's always something to consider. Um, Hayden, I actually want to bring up the running game real quick too, because the Browns suck at defending the run. And I don't know if it was last week because of the UCL or what, but Devin Singletary finally got some like inside the 10, inside the 20 yard carries and scored two touchdowns off of those. I mean, Cleveland is allowing 5.23 yards per carry to backs. They rank 30th in the league in success rate against running backs and 31st in yards allowed before contact. Um, We've talked about it a lot that if it's a neutral or negative game script, Devin Singletary so far this season has played around 76% of the snaps. They're favored by what, nine, nine and a half points. So at some point he might get taken out. But what I've seen new wrinkle for this Bills offense is they started to use a sixth offensive lineman. They've brought in Bobby Hart and they've been outstanding with runs on it. They're averaging over five yards a carry in those. So while they don't have a get out of jail free card or an easy button right now, as Stefan Diggs is taken away, I think maybe leaning on the running game a little bit more, especially what we saw with the Dolphins and Jeff Wilson crush this Browns uh, front last week, especially defensive tackles. Uh, I think the Bills might lean into that a bit more in this week, too. They haven't been getting Naeem Hines involved, so until that changes, I have Devin Singletary as like a boom-bust kind of RB2, but the the Bills right now, they have the highest team total on the week um, after going back into the dumb environment. Here we go. All right, Mason, give me another name. Okay, so I'm going to bring up a name that as soon as you say him, everybody just knows you lose all credibility, right? One of the grossest (laughs) names you're ever going to see. If you want to be in the cool guys club, you're never allowed to say something positive about a few names. Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery. If you want to be in the cool guys club, you can't talk positively about those guys. But David Montgomery is in a good spot, in my opinion. The issue is going to be when we're getting the high value touches, where are they coming from? We know Justin Fields will be vulturing those touchdowns at the goal line. That's a little frustrating, as well as there's not much passing volume to go around in Chicago. So maybe the targets, maybe the touchdowns will be a little bit limited compared to what we may find in other offenses. But if we're looking at the percentage of the backfield, Montgomery may be able to account for this week. I mean, with Cleo Herbert on the IR, good matchup against the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like it is a very good spot. I know some people are excited about Ebner, but Ebner is a third down passing down running back. I don't see how his usage takes that much of a sharp uptick. If you're looking at the fact that Khalil Herbert, I believe off the top of my head, had seven receptions so far this season. Maybe that was seven targets. Let me go ahead and pull that up. It'll take me just one second. But Herbert wasn't getting involved as a pass catcher whatsoever. So I would assume that the majority of this volume actually goes in the direction of David Montgomery. If you look at the total touches between Herbert and Montgomery so far this season, the fewest touches that the combo of those two running backs has seen in an individual week, 20. And that's the worst week you've had in Chicago. And yeah, Khalil Herbert actually has only had six receptions, seven receptions. I mean, sorry, six receptions, seven targets. So I don't think Ebner is going to take that large of a role. I think everything's going to go to Montgomery. David Montgomery, I mean, sorry, Deontay Foreman had what, 31 carries against the Atlanta Falcons a week ago. I mean, right now Vegas has this as a game where I believe the Falcons are three-point favorites. Yep. So then maybe yep. it's not as good of an environment, but no matchup, every touch. 
Mason, this was one of my names as well. And I'm right there with you. I think it's probably the chalk play of the weekend, even though, like you said, it's almost like a backup quarterback situation all season in Chicago where everyone was just rooting for Khalil Herbert to be the two series to the yeah. one series for Dave Montgomery, even though Dave Montgomery's done nothing wrong to these people. You know, he's been a really solid player all season long. And Hayden, we talk about every single week on stats versus film. I don't think that they're now going to go to Dave Montgomery series to one Tristan Ebner series like that drop down to the talent from Herbert to Ebner is probably drastic. Um, and what we're also getting is this team is just scoring on so many more of their drives this season. I mean, Chicago has scored on 22 of 42 of their drives over the past four weeks. When prior to that, I think they were about 28th or, or 27th in the league and a huge difference could be for David Montgomery inside of the 10-yard line in this game. Because when you look at it, Justin Fields this season has eight carries inside the 10. Khalil Herbert had six. And David Montgomery only had two. You know, On his own team, he was third in the pecking order on carries inside of the 10, inside the five-yard line. So that is an area that can equal fantasy points if we get those opportunities. And David Montgomery should see the biggest boost out of everyone, if that's the case. Yeah, I have David Montgomery as my... RB 15, somebody in the same tier, same game. I'm going back to Cordero Patterson. And this one's a little bit riskier than David Montgomery, just because last week the usage was so out of control, but it's really hard to, to bet against this Falcons offense. That's really high up. Now they're fourth in implied points this week. Last week when CPAT was uh, kind of messing around in like a four, literally a four running back rotation yeah. that was off a short rest. Obviously CPAT's a little bit older, previously had the injuries so i'm kind of betting against that and have hoping that some of the rest comes into play for cpat but the chicago bears recently have not been very good uh against the run and i think that's probably because roquan smith's out of there one of their best edge rushers as well and then teams playing against the chicago bears this season fourth highest neutral run rate and that's led to being 29th against fantasy running backs so uh i'm just gonna be betting on cpat not playing 60, 70% of the snaps, but even get 50% of the snaps in this offense uh, coming off a week where they had their lowest neutral pass rate of the week. I still think in a committee, he can see 15 to 20 super valuable touches here. I think that he would be the primary goal line back as well. Mm. I want to see more I, CPAT I was in this offense. To ask about Cordell Patterson because I've been stuck on this all week. Like mm. for every reason you said, the implied team totals there, the matchups there, it, it's phenomenal. And who the hell is going to score points in Atlanta if it's not Cordell Patterson? Right. But I mean, and keep in mind, Cordell Patterson, my third most drafted running back on underdog this year behind Jacobs and Walker. So I want Cordell Patterson to come out here and crush it. But the man did have 24 snaps out of 63 a week mm -hmm. ago. So I'm just a it's little just hesitant. the rest. I think okay. I think the rest thing is going to be the difference is not playing Thursday okay. night football and your second game back from injury. Um, and I just think that there's a there's a chance that they're home favorites here that he just has a higher chunk of of the workload. So it's a risky play. I think he's like compared to David Montgomery, like same tier of running back. But David mm -hmm. Montgomery I feel very good about Cordell Patterson. I think could easily outproduce David Montgomery. But the floor, like you said, is much lower because David Montgomery plays 75 percent of the snaps. CPAT's going to play 20. But like on underdog, uh, like battle royales and stuff, I think both of these running backs are like the perfect second running back in battle royale. Uh, David Montgomery, you also get some leverage off of Justin Fields, which is nice. Um, but I think CPAT has plenty, plenty enough ceiling here uh, just because the Bears are tanking on defense. An interesting point you made at the start of that, Mason, because 
we went through Hayden's rankings yesterday and he has Marcus Mariota as a top 10 quarterback this week. And then we always ask, like, if that's the case, if the team total is so high because they're going against the Bears defense, which totally sucks, and they're tanking on that side of the ball, yeah. who, who is going to be scoring these points? Because, like, you can't rely on Drake London. You can't rely on Kyle Pitts. Which of these running backs is going to do it? Is it even predictable? If so, and I, I think the easiest one to probably predict is Cordero Patterson in a weird and twisted way, despite exactly what you said, the question of being the workload, because we want it to be wholly different than it was last week. I know we're getting a little off track, but are y'all throwing pits into any battle royale drafts this week? I always will will. be. I always will will be. (laughs) I mean, you can't can't find this upside, folks. I'm telling you. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of, if you have never played battle royale on underdog, I know Mason loves it. I know we all love it. It is such a better game, I think, than DFS out there uh, because there's no, like, cheat sheets out there for it. There's no, you know... The same chalk every single week out there for it. It's not 1v1s or 2v2s. Instead of using 15 bucks on DFS, draft three times over in the Battle Royale on Underdog. Use promo code FLOCK if you want to. Use promo code THE SHOW if you want to. Whatever way you want to play the Battle Royales, you can do it. I just did a draft. Uh, Joe Burrow stacked with T. Higgins. I have Mark Andrews, who I think is going a little bit too low uh, with Steph Diggs in the Dome environment. Josh Jacobs and then Mason's guy, David Montgomery. So no, that's what Mason's guy is Josh Jacobs. I mean, oh, no well, I one this loves is the drafting Josh Jacobs more than Mason this summer. Okay, don't put that on me. It's not that I love your highest drafted Jacobs. running back this summer. It's Everyone that, else hated him. <laughs> it's that if you wanted to be in the cool guy circle, if you wanted to look like you knew what you were doing, <laughs> you were not allowed to take him. So I'm sitting there in high stakes drafts getting Josh Jacobs, a starting running back in an offense. I thought it was going to be a little better with Adams. Clearly, I was wrong. In the eighth round, I thought he was the same thing as not. Harris, we made videos on it. We're saying if you're going to draft Najee Harris in the first, why are you not taking Josh Jacobs in the eighth? So it's not that I'm some massive Josh Jacobs fanboy. It's that everybody thought if you want to be cool this year, you're not allowed to draft Josh Jacobs no matter how far he falls. And I was willing to. Um, I always thought that if like you pan that camera a little bit over to your right, you get a Josh Jacobs frame jersey on on the other wall. But well, I, it's above my bed actually, not in this uh, room. It's above my ceiling? bed. Well, no, the, jers- the jersey's above my bed on the ceiling. It's a portrait of Josh Jacobs, right, like oil course. painted, really nice. It's very tasteful, very tasteful. Of course. Well, I know Josh Jacobs isn't on your list here. Uh, what is the next name of, quote unquote, our guys of week 11? So the next name, I, I know we didn't actually prep this, but I'm not looking at the list right now. So, I mean, maybe we can make a little, a bit of an we audible here. Higgins, if you want to throw in T. Higgins here. Okay, yeah, we, we can go T. Higgins. With T. Yep. Higgins, I mean, just from a casual redraft perspective, I felt like a lot of people are going through and not understanding that you're just going to see some natural volatility with T. Higgins. I know that over the past few weeks, it's been a little painful. I mean, three weeks ago, you had Jamar Chase, his first game out on primetime. The Bengals look horrible, but that's just occasionally going to happen. I mean, it is what it is. Then the week after, you have five touchdowns for Joe Mixon. Then we have a bye. I still want to project T. Higgins as a top 10 wide receiver any given week that you have no Jamar Chase here. I mean, I think that it's going to be a positive game environment. Well, yeah, it's a tougher defense going up against Pittsburgh. I think right now the spread's about four and a half points on this game. But still, the Bengals are going to be able to effectively move the ball down the field. I think that you should naturally get 25% of the team's targets going over to T. Higgins. And it's a safe and I would be confident with that projection because we know that the concentration of targets here is extreme where they're not really using a wide receiver four. They're not really using a wide receiver five. So with T. Higgins, I know everybody's planning on playing him, but I think a lot of people are viewing him as that like mid to high end wide receiver two. And I think he's a bona fide stud alpha wide receiver one this week. So I have Tyler Boyd and it's along these same conversation lines and I'm happy to move mine over to T. Higgins if you want to, but it's, I think both have a chance of going into this and look, if we, 
you know, rewind back to week one, opening week versus the, these same Steelers. Joe Burrow had four interceptions with that pick six on the opening play, threw it 53 times in that game. But we know the Bengals' offense has totally changed since then. You know, back then it was trying to learn how to beat cover two. It was deep dropbacks off a of play action, turn your head to the defense, whip it around, and try to find these holes and gaps in the defense. Now it's solely shotgun, eyes on the defense every single time. And like you're saying, the volatility of, of T. Higgins I understand it's been like that production wise for Tyler Boyd when you went like eight catches, 155 yards against the Atlanta Falcons. Then there was like that Browns defensive disaster that dominated the Bengals. And then you had the ground dominant game against the Carolina Panthers where the backups got in for the Bengals in the fourth quarter. But, you know, zoom out. Two of those three games were fantastic offensive successes for the Bengals. And I just think like this passing offense not being underrated heading into this. But I'm with you, Mason. One of these guys in T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, I think is going to finish this week as a top eight wide receiver if this four-point spread is going to hit in the Bengals' favor. They better because I have both of them inside my top 10. This is a very tough week for for fantasy rankings. I'm just going very bullish on Tyler Boyd just because Bengals' second in neutral pass rate over the last month. The Steelers are second uh, to last in defending fantasy wide receivers. Uh, Akilah Witherspoon uh, is on the injury report, probably not going to play. Mika Fitzpatrick's questionable uh, coming off of that appendicitis. Um, So obviously TJ Watt scares me to death here, um, but I do think the Bengals are going to pass a ton uh, in this matchup. So I'm very bullish on both of them. This pick projection of 54 and a half receiving yards for Tyler Boyd is the higher. might be one of my favorite ones early in the week. Uh, We'll revisit those on Sunday morning. Uh, All right, Hayden. Give us a name. Uh, let's go to Devonta Smith. I'm viewing him as a legit boom bust wide receiver too. Obviously, we all think he's very good. The targets hasn't necessarily been there, but that's because Dallas Goddard's really good in his own right. Uh, was leading the position in EPA per target. You remove him. I don't think that the backup tight ends are going to be earning as many targets. Uh, they're going to mix in a third wide receiver, but that wide receiver's typically been in there to kind of run blocks. So I think cutting this uh, target share from three primary down to two, I think it's really going to help Devonta Smith in particular. Uh, his dot is a little bit closer to Dallas Goddard's. Dallas was at like 5.2. Uh, Devonta Smith's at 7.9. A.J. Brown's been all the way up to 11.2. So if just on that part of the field, I think that you could see Devonta Smith win. And his matchup is just slightly easier than A.J. Brown's this week just because of the Colts. So we know the team total is high. Um, right. And I just think that this is a, a good week to be betting on talent here. And it's been really difficult for me to like do the math to get there with Devonta Smith. And that's why I've always kind of been one foot in one foot out. But I think this is a time to get two feet in and let uh, Devonta Smith kind of win as a legit wide receiver too. Mason, where are you at with the Philadelphia Eagles off their first loss of the season against the Indianapolis Jeff Saturdays? I'm not worried whatsoever. I mean, I'm right Same. there. Smith was on my list just because I kind of view him similar to Gabriel Davis, like like I said earlier. But the difference is now that we removed Dallas Goddard, I think that there are a ton of targets of that are going to be available in Philadelphia. Maybe the offense takes a small hit. I'm still not too worried. And going back to what we were just talking about with Cincinnati, Philadelphia is another one of those teams that you don't have to worry about the wide receiver four, wide receiver five, siphoning off too much. Now, yeah, we did have a couple of these guys this past week doing it but if we take a step back that seems to be an outlier compared to what we're used to with the philadelphia eagles so i think smith great offense respectable matchup and i mean he's going to get a larger percentage of the pie now that we have no goddard my only question is how this team has to change and alter their game plan a little bit without dallas goddard because like they had answers for everything i know it didn't work against washington but and it kind of did actually but 
It, it did. didn't win loss record. It did. Um, but those screens to Dallas Goddard have been like such a mainstay and how yep. he's winning after the catch. Like, I wonder what they pivot to in those situations. I wouldn't be shocked if it's tunnel screens. You know, we've seen a bunch of tunnel screens to these wide receivers, either AJ Brown and definitely Devontae Smith this season. So maybe a couple more manufactured touches to Devontae because you don't have someone like Dallas Goddard to be the easy button as often. My other note is the defense hasn't been playing well. Um, and I think if the there's a couple of games in a row where the Eagles were just dominating the teams and they weren't even passing the ball in the fourth quarter. If the Eagles are like worse now, like moving forward, I think they actually like, just play up to more passing volume in general. And quietly, this thing keeps going back and forth, but the Eagles neutral pass rate over the last month of the season is back up to fourth overall. They've been, they started out hot. They went down. Now they're back to passing more, a little bit uh, in neutral situations. Obviously we don't expect that to hold as much with Dallas Goddard out, but uh, I just think that if the Eagles are slightly worse and they're not blowing teams out, I think that's uh, actually going to help uh, Devonta Smith. No Shaq Leonard either for the Colts injured reserve for the rest of the season. Uh, Mason, I think you have one or two more names. I think one more name. Give it to us. Yeah, we'll go over to Tyler Higby here. I, I know with Higby, not a super exciting option, but I mean, we've had the track record before. You saw him be, I mean, the tight end won for a small stretch at the end of 2019. I know we're going way back, but I mean, so far this Love season... It. The man has had, I mean, a decent amount of volume here. If we're going through and looking at the most targeted tight ends in the NFL, of course, on a per game standpoint, you got Travis Kelsey at one, not going to surprise anybody. Got Mark Andrews at two, of course. Then at three, we have Tyler Higby sitting here. Yep. I know it's a horrendous offensive environment right now. If you're looking at implied team totals, the Rams are down there <laughs> only ahead of the Jets and Panthers in projected point scored this week, which is laughable, of course. But I'm not a believer in Allen Robinson. I mean, if you look at the yards per route run with A-Rob last year, he was clearly washed. This season, I think nothing's changed. don't really think A-Rob all of a sudden is an exciting option with no Cooper Cup. I think, hell, maybe Tyler Higby is just a safe option at the tight end position to consistently see seven, eight, nine targets. He's been averaging seven and a half, and now we have no Cooper Cup. That can go to eight. And at the tight end position, how many guys are going to be able to get exactly. you more than five? Yeah, I, I think that goes to that point, right, Hayden, where – at the tight end position where it is right yeah. now, like getting seven targets and seeing if a guy can get 42 yards, not a touchdown. Cause that's, you know, Tyler Higby doesn't score those. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> it's so bad, but that's where we're at here. Uh, talking about the differences in the Eagles without Dallas Goddard, there might not be a bigger difference for a team than the Rams not having Cooper cup and just everything that they were able to do front side without him. Now, so many of those concepts were Cooper cup a little deeper Tyler Higby a little shallower, and that was the front side read for Matthew Stafford, which he was living off of this season because the offensive line was allowing him to get backside. Um, how do they pivot? They were asked about it this week, and they were saying, well, basically we're going to rotate three people into this spot and see. I don't know. I don't think Tyler Higby's role is going to change at all, so I bet we see hopefully similar volume to what we saw earlier in the year, like Mason is saying. Stafford's back. Uh, the one thing to keep in, keep an eye out for Tyler Higby's was a full-time player. The last couple of weeks, he hasn't been running as many routes. I like got on a uh, percentage of the team dropbacks, but like you said, like they've given up, I've seen Tyler Higby get a bunch of screens and like, yeah. who else is, who else are the screens going to go to? So yeah. I have him as like a fringe tight end one, uh, not super sexy, but none of these tight end names are very sexy. Literally the lowest a dot in the league this year at a uh, 3.1. Wow. So, what do y'all think about the Rams being three point dogs here with Stafford back against Dalton? It's gross, but the I offensive line's so bad. I bet yeah. the Saints offensive line is also really bad. It too. is. They're missing three starters as well. Don't watch this game, please. 
None of us are going to pick it for Sunday. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, I have one more name. Hayden has one. Uh, we can't two. go. Oh, you've got two. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we have the same one here, and that's Kadarius Tony. All right. So let's talk about it. After Kadarius Tony caught four or five targets for 57 yards and a score, had some manufactured touches. I think it's going to be different this week. Why? Because the whole week is likely focused on getting him involved because they've known all week long that Juju Smith-Schuster is not playing in this contest, that Miko Hardman is going to miss and miss three games after this one as well. So here's your options. Is it Justin Watson, who's an NFL journeyman who made a couple splash plays down the field this year? Maybe. Or is it Sky Moore, who has been on the roster this entire season and has barely earned any playing time because of it? Or is it Kadarius Toney, who's the most slippery wide receiver on the roster, their best chance of beating man coverage, something that they are seeing more and more often this season because defenses understand that their wide receivers cannot beat man coverage. I think that while he won't have an entire grasp of the playbook, at least getting him involved, and it can be as an outside wide receiver, it can be as an inside wide receiver, anywhere you want to. A huge focus of this game in order for them to you know, win, snatch victory, is to see Kadarius Tony see seven, eight, nine, ten opportunities, and we know he can do wonders with it. The Chiefs obviously first in neutral pass rate. They are tied for first in implied points this week. Like you said, um, this is the first week where they're going to be relying on him to be out there. Whether he's going to be in two wide receiver sets, I'm not sure about that. But when he's out there in three wide receiver sets, he's going to be the schemed up guy. And I don't think he's just a schemed up player. We saw some evidence of right. that uh, even last week. Uh, but also just in those like two or three starts with the Giants where he looked absolutely dominant, not just like running bubble bubble screens, but actually winning against man coverage here. So uh, the matchup is is totally rock solid. Uh, the, the Chargers defense hasn't been all that great. And I, I'll, I'll even mention that like the, the Chargers defense, like at, at linebackers so bad. And I think that even Kadarius Tony could take advantage of some of that on some of these schemed up looks as well. So I'm treating him as a boom bust wide receiver two, three. I have him inside my top 25. Um, let's ride. Mason, I need your I, thoughts. I mean, it's just, it's really nice that you have both Hardman and Juju ruled out. Cause I thought we were going to be in a situation where they were game time decisions rolling into Sunday night and you were going to have no idea. So I think now that we have the clarity that those guys are out, Tony's a fine play. I, I was a little bit worried about what the situation just was. Just a fine play. Where's the enthusiasm Mason for one of the most electric players in football. I mean, it is exciting. If you look at a yards per route run standpoint last year, obviously the man was incredibly efficient, but I don't know. I, I feel like oh, I, I sense the hesitation. I can grab it through the screen right now. Like the thing is, <laughs> what what happens with Cortland Sutton? I mean, not when Cortland Sutton, when Travis Kelsey comes out and has 14 targets this yeah, week. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? I think there's room for more than that, though. Like I think that yeah. I think that they're gonna pass the ball so much. And I think they might I just give him. up the run. I, that's what I, I view him as an extension of the the, the run now, game to some extent here. Now, to that point, though, Hayden, the Chargers do invite teams to run. So, like, if there was ever a game to lean the into, Chiefs, the Chiefs don't give a I shit. I know, I know. Yeah. And also, I would say this passing offense has struggled against Brandon Staley-esque defenses, yeah. but that was previously when they were a much more vertical team, and now they've been built to win inside the 20s, you know, well, not down the field. 
we also know the Chargers, like especially the Chargers against the Chiefs, are going to yeah. sit there in two high shell coverages. Correct. They could even drop eight. We've seen the Chargers kind of experiment with that from from time to time. And if we're seeing those type of defensive coverages, you're going to see little checkdowns to Kadarius Tony, and those checkdowns could turn into first downs because he's so damn good at, at the game. Right, or early separation and let him slip after the catch. I mean, for for me, it's I can talk about him all off season and Correct. then tell people on the podcast, do not drop him, do not drop him for me to not get super bullish in the game that he's starting with Patrick Mahomes. I have no choice. So I'm going to be writing this thing. <laughs> All right. Last name, Hayden, uh, a man who every year around Thanksgiving time goes in the injury report with an illness. It happened today with Lamar Jackson missing practice, but he will start on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, we need to get him some Flintstone vitamins, but uh, I really love just in particular for Battle Royale, stacking Mark Andrews with Lamar Jackson. Typically, it's been very difficult to do, but both of their ADPs are a little bit lower just because of the injury report. Uh, Mark Andrews has been limited all week. It seems like he's going to play. He's been doing interviews and stuff kind of as normal. I think he's going to play Lamar Jackson. They already said he's going to start. Um, we don't know if it's just an, another trip to the bathroom today. Whatever it is, Lamar Jackson, it hasn't been pretty for a, a big chunk of the season, but we've seen the upside play. The team total right now sitting at a very healthy 27 uh, points. That's the third highest on the week. And just getting Mark Andrews back to me is like kind of all he needs. Him and Isaiah likely um, with the super efficient ground game. The pass blocking has been awesome recently. Uh, PFF, their top four uh, team pass uh, blocking grades have come in the last five weeks. They're kind of hitting their peak, but we haven't seen it in a, in a little bit uh, yet, like as a, as a narrative, just because of the bye week and some of the injuries. I would take advantage, get ahead of this thing, get some Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews stacks in DFS uh, before their prices kind of rebound. Pretty simple. I mean, they're the largest favorites on the slate, 13. It's at home. Let's all roll. It is different, though. I mean, I, I get from what you're saying because, again, he has not finished higher than quarterback nine since week three. And we talked about it in yesterday's show. In the opening three weeks of the season, Rashad Bateman was making plays down the field, and there is no one that is now making plays down the field consistently for this team. So I do think an evolution is starting to happen here. Maybe, you know, after from here on out is when we see – peak performance Lamar Jackson again it's it's just a more difficult situation I would say now from a pass catcher standpoint maybe easier from running back standpoint but an offensive yeah. line standpoint but more difficult from a pass catcher standpoint now than it was earlier this season Panthers also have been dealing with some injuries Jeremy Chin and Dante Jackson uh two uh, up-and-coming players on injured reserve and yep. their, their pass rush has some has some names but 28 in adjusted sack rate so this could be a, a like backup corners versus backup type of wide receivers here. And then just betting on Lamar Jackson. So to me, battle Royale promo code, the show promo code flock match your deposit up to a hundred bucks, get into the battle Royale streets, uh, especially like get some prep in because we got Thanksgiving slate. You know, we do. We do. I know uh, Mason's had his own games out there that his community gets to go and play. Uh, we'll have our own one on Thanksgiving. Uh, hopefully everyone will check that out as well. Mason, any last words? I know you got to run, prep for your streams, all that good stuff. I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for putting the best content out here. And <laughs> yeah, y'all are crushing it. Mason, so are you. I know I'm sure all of you who watch this are already checking out Mason's channel. Literally, the dude streams every single day. It's like 152 straight days he has streamed. It's insane stuff. So go into his community, 
check it out. It's great work. And he breaks groupthink, which I love. I want to I want to hit on one one last thing like off of that. People always like DM people uh, DM us like, hey, I want to break through the industry. What do I need to do? Open up a YouTube account, get on there and stream every single day consistently. Have 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 some good taste. Be pretty funny. And then people will start coming. That's what Mason's been doing. Absolutely crushing it on the YouTube street. So if you're trying to trying to make it in the industry, follow what Mason's doing. Go watch his content learn some things about it. It's the best way to uh, be an individual and create, create a very big niche for yourself. So shout out to Mason. There you go. Wow. Wow. Thank you. I'll say nobody likes fantasy football as much as I do. There are a lot of people way better at it than I am, but nobody likes it as much as I do. There we go. All right. We'll get out of here. Thanks for tuning in. Check out the other shows. We just posted a entire 40 minute episode of scheme on the dolphins offense. It was beautiful. Josh McCown. Look into it up the villa. We'll talk to y'all soon. See ya. Mm -hmm.